All right. Hi, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode on Professional Perspective series of What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and today I have with me Tina Dye. What Cause Inspires You is a podcast founded for students ages 13 to 21 to be able to share the service they're doing in their communities. We recently launched our Professional Perspective series in order for experts in their field, like Tina, to give insight to our youth about how to make a stronger impact and accelerate social justice movements. Tina is a principal at Silverton Partners, the longest running and most active early stage VC in Texas. In her role, she collaborates with founders to help shrink the distance between the drawing board and the realization of the vision. Prior to Civilton, Tina worked in a venture at First Round Capital, product at Inuit, and strategy at McKinsey & Company. Tina also cares deeply about elevating female investors and founders. She co-chairs the All Rise Principal Cohort Program to accelerate women's careers in venture capital, is a founding member of the Beam Angel Network, and Angel Invests with the Council. She also serves on the board of Juzer, a nonprofit investing in educational programs for Syrian youth. This podcast series will be available on Spotify, YouTube, and now Apple Music under Humanity Rising Voices. All right, Tina, super thrilled to have you on here. Ready to begin? Yeah, thank you for having me. Of course. Um, why don't you just start by giving us a brief overview about who you are, your background, and how you came to work at Silverton Partners? Sure. So I actually grew up here in Dallas um, and uh, went to school at UT. Um, after UT, I kind of uh, went down the path of consulting, quickly realized that everything was converging to tech and wanted to be um, more at the center of tech. Um, one thing I had thought about or I had hypothesized about myself is I would start a company one day and I thought every um, company founder is a product manager. And so I really wanted to gain experience in product management. And so I moved out to the Bay Area following consulting and uh, first worked in strategy at Intuit and then uh, had a mobility move um, into product uh, where I helped launch QuickBooks Online Advanced. Um, I think over time, product felt more and more myopic to me, and I'm not a very detail-oriented person, <laughs> and so I preferred kind of getting back to a diverse focus across the board, across different industries, but also focused on tech-enabled things, and at the time, I had a good mentor who showed me what venture was and what the venture role looked like. Um, and when I was leaving into it as a product manager, I wanted to try my hand at venture. Um, I got really lucky and um, worked with uh, a partner at First Round Capital. Um, and I decided that investing was the type of work I wanted to continue to do. However, uh, both myself, um, my family is in Dallas and my partner, his family is in Houston. So we wanted to come back here to Austin uh, and settle down uh, and plant our roots. And venture capital is one of those spaces where the economics, especially in the early stage, is so long um, that it just made sense for us to move back from the Bay Area. Right. And now totally. here at Silverton Partners. Yep. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of doing kind of reverse as well. You know, I'm in the Bay Area and I'll be attending UT Austin. Well, 
I am attending UT Austin, but I'll be coming on campus officially, um, hopefully in the spring or next year. So, you know, I've heard so many things about the economy there and venture capitalism there. And as um, some so somewhat of a social entrepreneur myself, I think, you know, looking for that investments and looking for um, fundraising has always been on the forefront of my mind. Um, but for all of our audience members that aren't too sure about, you know, what venture capitalism really is, could you could you explain how venture capital works? And could you give us a quick one-on-one on how, uh, on what on what venture is in general? Yeah. So I would say the venture category was created because um, banks didn't know how to underwrite the risk of startups. Um, and so instead of a bank giving a startup money and having the startup pay interest and paying that amount back, venture capital gives um, startups money um, for a part ownership in the company. Um, because ultimately, the incentive for a venture fund is to help a startup get really big and super successful because that's how they would also end up making the most outsized return. And so venture capital itself is also a business and the business model is effectively um, people in the venture industry, they'll raise money uh, from um, their limited partners or their LPs. And what we promise or what the vision we're selling is, is that because we're investing in pretty risky assets, our return over um, a time horizon is going to be higher than other potential um, assets like um, equities in the market and things like that. And so our goal as a venture capital fund is to consistently find and fund deals that have the highest probability of delivering these outsized returns to our LPs. Um, and so what that usually looks like in a portfolio is Let's say one portfolio, we invest in uh, 20 companies. Um, traditionally, the vast majority of those companies are gonna be written down to zero, um, meaning they, they are likely to fail. And then the, um, like a small portion of those companies that end up being successful will return the total amount of the whole fund. And so that's why it's super important, um, or at least the concept of a billion dollar exit is really glorified because um, the vast majority of the portfolio itself is ultimately not worth anything. And it's those um, few companies that do exit for say 300, 500, $1 billion plus that actually drives all the return within one fund. Wow. Yeah, I think, um, you know, going into college, I was super into the startup industry, you know, joined a bunch of entrepreneurship clubs. I'm still in them. It's amazing to grow, but the flip side is also really interesting, you know, gauging different startups and that strategy to see which will match the market economy. Um, so 
who knows, venture capital might be my next pathway, but definitely a very interesting industry right now um, and with the current ecosystem. So uh, before you mentioned that you were an All Rise Principal Cohort Program to accelerate women's careers, um, but diversity in venture capital in particular has been lacking. Uh, recently, actually, PitchBook featured an article that highlighted venture funding for female founders has hit its lowest quarterly total in three years. And, and female founders receive less than 3% of the total capital invested in the ecosystem. And females are still less than 15% of the decision makers um, at VC funds. So, so how, do you, how do you think your work helps in, in these contexts of the statistics that we were seeing? Yeah, for sure. So um, I'll start from a fund perspective. So my direct role um, at Silverton Partners, we've been able to have conversations around diversity and inclusion and create um, tactics for us to cover everything from um, how do we see more diverse deals to um, how should we think about diversity internally. Um, I would say on a, on a broader scope um, of just myself investing, um, the way that I view diversity in venture is effectively uh, venture capital is a very network driven business and especially at the early stage a lot of how we get conviction is around um, how we think about the founder and when there's no data around a startup in terms of their revenue growth and things like that um, early stage investors rely on signals on the founder and that signal is um, the weight of that signal, I would say, is uh, the most optimal when it is coming from someone you respect within your close network. Mm -hmm. And so when you think about how um, investors invest, which is network driven, then you can start seeing because there's less institutional investors who are diverse, uh, there might be less institutional founders who get invested in. And right. so a lot of my work um, with All Rays and uh, the angel investing groups I'm involved with, uh, such as Beam Angel Network here in town or the council in San Francisco, centers around how do we um, get more people uh, educated around angel investing and start angel investing. Right. Because ultimately um, what that will do is one, it allows that individual uh, to participate in the economics of private investing. And two, it'll set them up with a portfolio that showcases their judgment in their track record with investing. And so if one day they decided they wanted to go down the institutional front, um, they have that track record to showcase and carry with them. Um, and so I myself as an investor, I'm very mindful around diversity and inclusion, but also as someone who can um, uh, participate in sort of these angel networks and communities, I take on a role of trying to educate more angel investors and um, handhold them through the process of uh, starting to invest. Yeah, that, I mean, that makes total sense to me. I'd like to draw this analogy to um, like construction workers, for example a lot of you know the heads of construction workers people hiring are predominantly males and so when they're hiring it, they're hiring 
predominantly males, right? So in the same sense, if we have, you know, more male investors, they're going to be investing in more male startups, I think. Maybe, you know, consciously, maybe subconsciously, whatever it be, we still see the phenomenon that we need more female um, investors, whether it's angel investors, um, to be, you know, uplifting all of these female entrepreneurs that are growing day by day. And so what do you think that we could do to promote more equity um, within angel investing? I, it's a, it's a really, um, it's a huge, complex, nebulous problem. I think in terms of promoting equity, all things in my head start with education. Mm -hmm. um, so I do feel like angel investing is one area where it's hard to get started because you're putting a sizable amount of money into um, things that are really uncertain and you have to get to know uh, other people who are in the space who are doing it to kind of get feedback so you feel comfortable. Um, making angel investing more equitable to me just starts with um, providing access to education for female or diverse angel investors to get started. Um, I mean, we, we could also get into all these uh, other legal aspects of um, SEC rules and things like that. But from a practical perspective, there's pretty qualified or at least potentially accredited angels who are diverse, who are not investing today. And I think the biggest barrier to that right now has to do with um, education and programs that could get them started. 100%. And, you know, that's why we have podcasts like these. I think the main purpose is to get the word out there, educate and, and inspire, you know, tell them that they can go into any field, regardless of who you are, where you are. Um, those opportunities are out there. And hopefully we can create some sort of system that really brings together our community and provides them all of these avenues for growth and for the betterment of our world. So hopefully to all of our listeners out there, that's one piece of advice I would give, you know, follow what you want to do and seek out people who you know will be there for you to help you in that pathway. And don't let anything stop you for that, whether it is angel investing, whether it is being a founder of your own startup. Um, but Tina, what, what advice do you have for all of our aspiring, you know, founders, angel investors, female entrepreneurs out there today? Um, like you said, there is one piece around the confidence to get started. And the second piece around getting started doesn't have to mean getting the perfect start. Um, and so that could just mean you reaching out to your network and exploring a topic that's top of mind and seeing where those threads lead you. Because I think a lot of, at least for me, um, the way that experiences have shaped out in the end has been due to happenstance and, and having an intention and believing in that intention um, and just starting somewhere. And I think you know, life is long. If you get started and if you put your voice out there, um, those sort of threads kind of start coming together and um, an idea will take shape into something tangible. Yeah, extremely well said and definitely some advice I could follow myself. Uh, but thank you so much, Tina. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on our podcast today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
Of course. Um, for all of our listeners out there, you can find more about our podcast or scholarship opportunities and events on Humanity Rising at What Cause Inspires You or at Humanity.Rising on Instagram and Facebook. Unfortunately, that's all we have for today, but do be sure to look out for more episodes of Professional Perspectives on What Cause Inspires You. I'm your host, Alicia Gupta, and I hope you continue changing the world.